you are listening to the Cigar Noise Boys. My mother was a tailor. She sewed my new blue jeans. My father was a gambling man down in New Orleans. Oh my God. Yikes. Uh, I should have technically pronounced New Orleans, New Orleans to rhyme with uh, jeans. Nolans. That's how you say it. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have no idea, man. I'm, I'm terrible Oof. with like... You guys have to get this one. All right. Okay. Now, the only thing a gambler needs is a suitcase and a trunk. And the only time he'll be satisfied is when he's all drunk. It's not Kenny Rogers. No. Uh, wow. That's what I was thinking. House of the Rising Sun, the animals. Oh, there you go. Never heard of that. No, you got to be kidding me, man. What kind of... First of all, it's Mardi Gras. That's why I picked the song. It's in okay. New Orleans. Good call. Happy Mardi Good Gras. Fat Tuesday. Do you guys normally uh, celebrate Mardi Gras or is Mardi Gras celebrated around you? No, I don't. I mean, they have those... Donuts, wherever you call them, but it's not a big thing up in Wisconsin. What do they call? Yeah, the store with the like king cakes. No, they're like uh, oh beignets. I don't know. I think it's like that's French beignets. Maybe that's it. Yeah, Yeah. I I don't. It's not a big thing up here, is it? By you, Patrick? Yeah, I mean, I would say that you know, on a general term, Scottsdale likes to party and will find any reason to do so. Um, I don't. I can't say that I've ever known of a big uh you know fat tuesday mardi gras party in the phoenix area now that said we do have some you know southern restaurants that'll maybe do something special but i can't say it's like we're not we're not rolling uh floats down the i-10 so (laughs) makes sense uh what's up everybody cigar noise boys here uh this week with patrick lagreed of half wheel thanks for joining us my pleasure thank you for having me on so Patrick, first of all, uh, you, Tyler said you've met once. Is that true? I was going to say, um, Patrick, I met you in passing at the 2019 trade show. I was a lot heavier and I was with Todd McKnight or, uh, Todd McNett from, uh, oh, yeah. okay. it was just in passing real quick. And, uh, I don't even know if I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure Todd introduced me, but, um, it was, this was a long time ago. I look a lot different, but. Uh, that's no, the only Todd's interaction. Friend, yeah. yeah, Todd, he's a, a Impact Force rep. Um, he's based out of Minnesota now. So he does Tatuaje, uh, Foundation, Patina, uh, my father. So, um, yeah, Todd's. A, I just talked to Todd um, yesterday for about an hour. He's really nice. Well, he's, he's uh, like I said, he's very very much missed out here in Phoenix and is, uh, is a great guy. You know, ran a great, ran a great shop in Churchill's and, uh, can't I can't I literally cannot say enough good things about Todd. So next time you see him, give him my best, please. I will. Thank you. And uh, Patrick, since you don't know us uh, too well, Tyler, if Tyler uh, were a cigar nerd, I would be a nerd novice. Okay. So any cigar related questions probably coming from him, and I'm just gonna be on for the ride and ask off the wall questions. <laughs> I can handle it. <laughs> So you're at um is this at your uh cigar mechanic now he's a he's a broker right 
Correct. Yeah. So this is kind of so Brandon Wells, uh, Brandon, okay. otherwise known as a cigar mechanic. He's been a good friend of mine, easily one of my best friends for the last, gosh, six, seven, eight years now. And so in an interesting turn of events, so if I was doing this normally, I would be in my apartment in downtown Phoenix and I would be out my balcony because unlike 70% of the country, we're not under snow right now. <laughs> yeah. And it's actually a really nice day. It's like 65 or something. A little breezy, but there's tons of sunshine to go around. Unfortunately, the building I live in um, decided to go smoke-free as of January 1st, so I can't smoke cigars there. And so as a nice, I mean, just as a, I mean, Brandon, again, one of the most genuine people I know. Um, So he built a lounge, like a cigar lounge onto his house. And so uh, it's ventilated, it's it's indoors, it's the whole thing. So he let me, he lets me come up here, use it uh, for doing reviews and stuff like that. And then it was actually in here that we did the top 25. Uh, so oh. Charlie and Brooks, who are my business partners, we took the signs down. But uh, so I did this, the top 25 and the packaging awards from here because he has his own podcast as well. So he's got the whole setup. I'm in the process of trying to buy a house. Long story short, I thought it would have been in there by now. Paperwork and details and COVID and everything else you want to throw under the sun that hasn't happened yet. Like I have the place picked out. I just need him to sell it to me. And it's just like, okay, guys, like you've seen the bender memes are like, take my money. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm literally standing there going, please take my flipping money, sell me this house and let's just get on with it. So yes, that's sort of the, the whole long and short of it. Yeah. I, I should have hit you up or Brandon up too, because He's uh one of my really good friends um is Mo from Patina, and oh, Brandon sure, yeah. is uh I believe his his broker out there. But it's correct, yeah. It's kind of weird when you're traveling and especially like if you all know people with with COVID and stuff, you don't want to right like hey I'm here you want you know you want to <laughs> meet up for a I'm cigar. here entertain me you know yeah or you know it's like. It's like, well, I don't know you, and I don't, you know, so, like, when I was down hey, there. I'm, I I, up, I'm not even getting together with some people I know, so don't feel too bad. Exa- you know? Yeah, so I, that's why I didn't reach out to you or uh, or Brandon. I, I have heard that he does that, the Sunday night, like, kind of her thing down there. Um, yeah, so it's funny. That's how we actually met. So there's a shop up in North Phoenix uh, that I used to go hang out at before I was sort of doing the half-wheel thing. I was writing for another site, uh, and I'd go up there and – like my girlfriend at the time worked sort of up there. And so it was kind of convenient to go and hang out there, smoke cigars, get a little work done, whatever. And so Brandon was, uh, as the cigar mechanic name I give away, he used to be a mechanic. So he owned his own shop, worked for a few other places. And I remember he came into the shop and the guy that worked there was our mutual friend. That's how we got to meeting each other. So Brandon says to me, hey, we do this thing every Sunday night called Sunday Night Blues Garage. You should come over. And my initial thought is, I don't play an instrument, <laughs> nor do I sing. And so, like, I like blues music. Hell, I love blues music. I don't play it. So I said, well, like, eh, you know, and I'm, I'm that introvert that's like, you really got to, you know, you got to let me warm up to you for a little bit. Um, yeah. So, but, and then he goes, so I kind of played it off or whatever, and he goes, Oh yeah, like we don't play blues. We listen to the NPR station out here that has blues on at six o'clock on Sunday nights till like ten or eleven, 
and we just sit in the garage and smoke cigars. And so that's how we got to know each other. And like I say, it's, I would never, like, you know, I don't like using the term best friend or whatever, but he's certainly in my, my most inner circle of good, close friends. And, uh, you know, it's funny. We were talking the other night, he goes, I was doing, you know, he was doing something either on a podcast or something. He goes, it's crazy to think about like eight years ago, we were talking about cigars and you were trying to teach me the difference between this and that and a wrapper and a this and whatever the case may be. He goes, and now I'm sitting here repping them, trying to do the same thing for consumers or retailers or people who work in the store, whatever the case may be. So, um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting to see how that friendship has developed. And now I'm sitting here mooching in his lounge so, <laughs> while he's out selling cigars like he should be. Um, has, has Phoenix always been this, like, I'm trying to think of like, a, like a mecca. yeah, like a cigar, like, dude, I, I hit up, uh, I think six shops. I hit up, um, fine ash, um, owl ear, um, cedar room ambassador yeah. embargo. And, uh, I think that's it. And that's just like, that's a tip of the iceberg. I mean, there's right. 60 more. Oh, you shots. could spend two days doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, has it always been that way? Oh, a big sticks. I was at, I hit up big sticks. Yep. So I can give you, I can't give you the always answer because I've only lived here for 11 years. So Ooh. I moved down here in November, 2009. I grew up in Seattle and short of college in San Francisco, Seattle's basically my home until moving here. What I can tell you is that, so I used to work in radio and was the director of operations for the Seattle Mariners broadcast network. So I used to come down for spring training and stuff like that for a week. And when I grew up in Seattle, there was, I'll give you a couple things. So number one, there was probably one, maybe two cigar shops in Seattle, which is like the 12th biggest city in the country. Yeah. Secondarily, you can't smoke in stores. There's no lounges. You have to smoke. Uh, you can't smoke within 25 feet of any building unless oh. you're on Native American land. So if you want to go out to a casino and you're, let's say you're kind of in downtown Seattle, just for those who are listening and frame of reference, you're probably 40 minutes east and 40 minutes to an hour south to find a Native American land with a casino on it that may have a and that may have a cigar lounge because <laughs> that's the other half there's a lot of casinos that don't have cigar lounges and as we all know cigarette smokers run casinos yeah uh so when i would come down here i would always take a day or two and i would literally start on one side of the valley and just like hit every shop i could find and so what like what's that attributable to well number one we have very low cigar taxes it's about 22 cents per stick Nice. So I think it's in the bottom 10 in the country in terms of cigar tax. So that's, that helps the cause because, you know, it's not crazy to buy a cigar in Phoenix and think you're getting ripped off as opposed to like, you know, Utah or California. California. <laughs> exactly. Represent. It's, you know, it's look, it's not Florida. It's not Texas. It's not Pennsylvania, but it's not that bad. Yeah, that's we have a fifty cent. Uh, no, I'm, we have a fifty cent cap. Right. Um, so that's not bad either. But yeah. Yeah, and so so that helps. The, secondarily, Phoenix is also a really wide spread out place, so I think you can 
make the case to have a lot of cigar shops because how far do you want to drive to go to a cigar lounge? And so there's that part of it. Number three, the weather is generally phenomenal out here. And, you know, yes, does it get cold? Absolutely. Now, is my definition of cold now a lot different than a lot of other people's? What I tell you is anything under 70 is like chilly to me now because yeah. I am completely and utterly spoiled. But uh, you have a climate that for the most part works for smoking cigars, whether it's indoors, outdoors, golf, I mean, you have 200 and something golf courses. We have, you know, all this different stuff that allows for cigars to sort of gain traction. Uh, prior to the last couple of years, we also had tons of resorts and all the resorts allowed you to smoke cigars. Like, you know, they'd have a designated area. The Biltmore used to have a humidor. Um, uh, element or uh, what's it called? There's a sanctuary. I think had a humidor. I don't know if they still do because it's 2021 and times change and sensibilities yeah. change and stuff like that. But like all the good resorts had humidors. So like if you just wanted to go and hang out and have dinner at the Biltmore, which is a classic resort in Central Phoenix, you could go have dinner. You go to the humidor. You could bring your own. Go get a cocktail. You're sitting out by the fire pit, enjoying a cigar. Uh, and then I think the fourth part of it is that Phoenix is, during the winter, a very transient city. I've heard estimates that upwards of a third of our population leaves during the summer months. Oh, wow. And so I think you have a lot of people that are coming in, and it's already a big city. It's the fifth biggest city, or fifth biggest metropolitan in the country, which is really crazy to think about. It's like, you know, you go to New York, LA, Chicago, Philadelphia, Phoenix, and then Houston's right behind it, and I'd have to remember where the other ones are, but it's a surprisingly big city, even though it doesn't feel like that because our downtown was never developed in the sense of we're not Manhattan. We're not LA, yeah. we're not San Francisco. We're not Dallas. We're not those cities that have traditional big downtown areas, but it's so spread out and you have a lot of, you know, we just call them snowbirds because that's what they are. They come from everywhere. Yep. And so a lot of those people, you know, they may not, they may not live in a place where they can smoke cigars all the time because they're in Chicago or they're in Seattle or they're in Toronto or they're in wherever. And when they come down, they enjoy the cigars and they enjoy the culture and they enjoy all that stuff. So again, sort of a long answer. I don't know if it's always been that way, mm -hmm. but it's certainly a nice mix of ingredients that creates the opportunity for it to be a very ripe hot spot for cigars. And I think right now we're somewhere in the 40 to 50 store range, somewhere in there in what I would consider the greater Valley, you know? Well, and then like uh, another great market is Dallas and that's where um, Brooks and Charlie are. So like, if you guys had one Correct. more member, throw them in Florida <laughs> somewhere and you guys got all the made. Yeah. Our, uh, what's funny is so the fourth, uh, our fourth kind of contributors, a guy named Brian Burke, who doesn't write for us on a regular basis, but he's still part of our top 25 panel. Um, and he helps us with IPC or now PCA, but he lives just outside of Orlando. Oh, perfect. And there you so go. it's like, right. If I can get you in Miami, maybe a little bit better, but yeah. I'll take where you're at right now. So, because it's like, it also seems like, um, Phoenix, like every week there's somebody, a cigar, uh, uh, like sales manager or face of a brand traveling. Like when I was down there, uh, Terrence Riley was there from Aganorsa. The week yep. after, Casey Hogan from uh, Crux was down there. Um, and that's like, you know, 
uh, I mean, pre-COVID, like you probably had like three or four people there. Um, I think oh. Jack Taranio is coming down soon. He's out, I think, this weekend maybe or something. I, so before I started writing for Half Wheel, I was, a, I was a national cigar columnist for a site called examiner.com, which doesn't exist anymore. But I've heard of it, so I think, I wrote, yeah. Yeah, so I wrote, it was, a, it was this idea of like being a hyper-local site, so they had lots of local versions, but then they also had national versions that would sort of plug in to the local sites as well. So I wrote the Phoenix Cigar Examiner column, mm. and then I wrote the National Cigar column. And as part of my Phoenix cigar column, I would always keep a calendar of like all the upcoming events. And it would not be uncommon to have four cigar events on one night. <laughs> so it was like, who did you want to go see today? You know? Yeah. And part of that is, you know, it would always like, because we're close to Vegas, we're close to LA. We have a huge density of shops out here. I think we move a fair amount of volume. We have some decent online retailers as well. So that helps to sort of kick up the volume. I've always been a little surprised that maybe it's not better, okay. but we have one, two, three, four. I can think of just off the top of my head, four shops that have online presence. Uh, one that's been established for a long, long time. One that two that have come up recently and are doing a lot better. And the fourth who sort of launched right as the pandemic started to set in. It's it's sort of accelerated everything. So like Cigar King and then Cigars Daily, yes. TNT. Oh, so, gosh, shoot. So now I'm up to six. I even take yeah. that back. So so like Cigar King was the original like heavy hitter. Yeah. So Cigar King launched actually. So so Mitchell Hirsch's father, quick story, was a discounter in Chicago. And yeah, Mitchell, there's a shop. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Go and, on. No. And so Mitchell convinced his dad to let him put a humidor in the shop. And then at some point, I want to say it was like 99, although don't quote me on this, and I'm probably missing the numbers. Mitchell moved out to Phoenix and actually to Scottsdale, and he found a warehouse right next to the Scottsdale airport. And this is right as dot-com sales are starting to become a thing, right? So he starts this shop, calls it Cigar King, and I think his dad's shop is called like Discount King or something like that. So it was a playoff of that. Starts selling cigars online. It becomes so big, he has to like call in friends to help him out. And so the old, as I understand this, the old trade-off used to be, well, come on in, we'll watch football on Saturdays and you guys help me box up orders. And then that became, well, shoot, why don't we just hang out down here while like eat the rest of the week, you know, yeah. or, and be, let's turn into a retail shop. And so then it became a retail shop and now he sells he has uh, or AZ Fine Time, which is a watch retailer that's built into the store. Okay. He has um, a shaving cream and like men's skincare kind of thing that's built into the store. Separate business, but it's all under the same roof. And then they still run, obviously, a, a traditional retail shop for cigars. And then if you go across the parking lot is the warehouse for the online component, effectively. So you have them, and then, yeah, and then you know, they have, so I was originally thinking of, so Fox, Finash. Oh, yeah, Fox. Yeah. And Ambassador started um, right around the pandemic. And then you have, you know, Zeal and Cigars Daily, and I'm probably missing somebody, and I feel terrible, because I always, I always feel like I'm on stage at the Grammys or the Academy Awards, and it's like, who are you forgetting to thank? I know. Uh, oh, but, yeah, Scallywags has Scally. an online presence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know Embargo is trying to get an online presence going. 
uh, I like in Churchill's doesn't have an online presence, but they will, you call them and they'll send you anything. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, there's just, there's a lot of reasons why this is a, a pretty vibrant cigar community. Uh, especially now, the, and the only thing I would say about that is, except during the summer, like nobody's coming here during the summer months yeah. because A, it's hot. B, our summer is when the rest of the country is enjoying nice weather and actually doing stuff. You know, so, and like, again, who wants to come to Phoenix when it's 115 degrees, so. Yeah, I picked the the wrong week. I think I, it was like in the 40s. Um, oh, like, yeah. I brought a whole bunch of shorts and I'm like, I was free, <laughs> I was freezing my ass off. Um, Patrick, are you smoking yeah, it, anything right now? I am. I actually, uh, I'm smoking a San Cristobal or San Cristobal Revelations. So I don't know. If, I know this is an audio feed, but I was, I, uh, I, I'm blessed to have way more cigars than I ever need. So my aunt and uncle usually hit me up for like charitable donations for certain mm-hmm. things. And inevitably when I'm going through a box or a bag or something, I'll go, Oh man, I haven't seen that cigar in forever. And that's just what happened to spur me to pull this one out. So I just finished up a, uh, Tatuaje Escaso, uh, in the Regio size. And now I'm firing oh, no. up the, the war bear. Oh, nice. Right. Dom, what are you smoking? I'm a, uh... Giving it a second try to the Jason Dumont, the small batch exclusive. I think this is actually my third one, better than the first two by far. So maybe yeah. it just needs some time. You guys reviewed that one, right? The we d- yeah, I think Charlie reviewed it. I'd have to. Uh, I mean, oh, sorry, I'm assuming that was directed to me. Uh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I believe Charlie reviewed it. It's you know again, we don't ever speak for each other's reviews. That's one of our big firm policies. So. All I can say is that what you read on the site is effectively Half Wheel's view of it. Uh, I think the only thing that was that we all have sort of collectively wondered is how is that Jason Dumont line going to be different than what Warped is? Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, is it is is there is it the La Tellier Tatuaje split kind of thing? Is it again just what you know? What is that actually going to be? And again, I have not had the chance to smoke it yet, so I'm sort of in the dark on it but also i think the jason dumont uh from the drop.com was different than the small batch i think the small batch had a majoro wrapper i don't i have to go that back is, and see no, I think, yeah, you, yeah, actually i think you, i do think you're right on that one so yeah it's, it's a little confusing the the that whole the drop thing and what's available to retailers and like originally, Cloud like Hopper the, was is different too from more business. That was his brother, yeah, but now he distributes it. So, but I forgot what he called that one, uh, what that brand's called, or the it's Cloud Hopper. I forgot what the company name is, and I just totally lost my train of thought when I was asking about cigars. Um, <laughs> no, it's and I'll tell you, like, so one thing just like people always ask me, Have you smoked this yet? Have you smoked that yet? I think what people forget is like. 90% of my cigar smoking agenda is not set by me. It's basically set by the site and therefore set by Charlie with some variances. So I probably smoke maybe four cigars a week that are of my own choosing. Uh, the rest is basically, I'm always working on a review. I'm working on something for top 25. I'm, you know, there's all like my agenda is basically set by the site. So I don't get a chance to necessarily go out and just, oh i'm just gonna spend the day smoking everything that's not on my agenda because right now i'm trying to work ahead for the coming weeks because 
spring training is starting and I also work in pro baseball. So my, my March is pretty much booked. So. Um, cause I, I, I went back and I listened to why well, I first got the idea of asking you to come on as I saw you on a Tim show and I thought you oh, did yeah. a great job there. And then I went back mm-hmm. and I was going to re-listen to it. And then I saw you on, uh, this down to the nub and I, I listened to um the one you just did with uh brandon when you guys smoked the laranja right and oh, that's yeah. when you said that yeah you use probably 90 percent of them are, are predetermined what you smoke um uh dom does uh he does reviews for small batch on the, the blind review okay so that's kind of interesting too um do you have uh so you said you you do a lot of your reviews now um in that in that area you're at now right you don't do many in the in at lounges ever no i will almost never review a cigar in a lounge um for a couple of reasons so number one you've got cross contamination of other people's smoke and things like that and you know our biggest thing is to try and maintain as consistent of an environment as possible to give the to give all the cigars that we smoke the as close to a similar baseline at which to operate so i will basically never review a cigar in front of other people i will never review a cigar in a lounge now does that mean i've never done it no there's been times i've had to do stuff for end of the year and it's been freezing out here and so i've gone to a lounge and sort of sequestered myself off in the corner uh it's also kind of awkward to like have to bring your camera and do all that stuff and then the other half is the conversation piece like inevitably someone's going to probably want to start a conversation with me. And then it's like, well, shoot, the cigar went out because you want to know about the blankety blank and the this yeah. and the that and what's going on with the FDA. And then it's 45 minutes later and I'm having to relight the cigar and that's not fair to the cigar. So yeah, I mean, pretty much everything is done in as controlled, controlled and isolated is probably the wrong word, but I will say like controlled and sort of isolated environment as I can get it. Do you listen to uh, music or uh, put a movie on, or are you just kind of focusing almost 100% on the cigar? Uh, I would love to say that I can single task and just smoke a cigar. That is by far not the case. Uh, I will. I will. I might listen to some music, but I try and listen to stuff that is at the very most background music. So, like, you know, stream some jazz or something without lyrics or. Uh, I won't, I won't watch a movie. I won't read a book. I'm not going to pretend that I don't look at my email at times because yeah. if I didn't, then I'd have 400 emails. <laughs> and as much as we're on the, you know, as much as we do cigar reviews, we're also in the news business and I can't afford to not be looking for press releases and other news and stuff like that. I try and avoid getting into the Instagram death scroll and stuff like that. Uh, you know, I try and give the cigar as much attention as I can. So within the reality of that it's 2021 and we're all multi, you know, programmed to multitask now, how much can I sort of just give the cigar as much attention as possible? Um, and then I noticed that, so uh, one year, I forgot what year, I should have it written down, but Fine Ash had that, uh, the Quesada, the Barber mm-hmm. Pole, that was number one cigar of the year. Correct. Is that something that you sought out or was it something that as a team you guys sought out to, to review that cigar or how'd that come about? And then also that kind of ties into the, the Hoya de Nicaragua numero uno. Sure. Um, if you want to. Yeah. So in regards to 
so our reviews pretty much all stem from our news policies, which is we will we will write about and cover you know store exclusive sizes of existing lines. So uh, you know the Casada Reserva Provada Barber Pole had come out in three sizes, and Fine Ash had a really good relationship with Casada, and they got a Corona Gorda version of it. Uh, I think we might have reviewed the Toro, though. Don't quote me on that. But effectively what happens is, so we'll get a press release or we'll get wind of something, we'll write a story about it. And then if it seems like it merits being reviewed, we'll add it to a list that we maintain on our project management software. And we're always kind of shuffling and revisiting the list and saying, because, you know, like we don't want to give the same manufacturer 12 reviews in a year because we only have so many slots and we want to try and spread it out. And that means uh, manufacturer, or well, brand, factory, country, whatever the case may be. So we're all, you know, and then again, sort of interest, but that's, interest is a relative term. And we can get into that in a bit because that actually becomes a really interesting thing when you're looking at like top 25 lists and how how some cigars seem to end up on those and they don't on others. So uh, we happen to have, we got the story about the finance Corona Gorda and I, somebody brought it up as like, hey, we should review this. Uh, I don't know if like I went out and picked them up or we just ordered them online. I don't know how we, how we got them somehow. Uh, I think I might have done the review, the, the initial review. And then that if it gets over a 91, then it becomes a finalist for Cigar of the Year. There's the process for that, which we can go into if you want. Uh, and it scored really well through all four of our reviewers and it ended up getting number one. Uh, Numero Uno was much the same thing. So our sort of threshold is, it, you know, there's like this commercially available threshold that we basically, is like a very low threshold for whether or not we'll consider something. So Hoy de Nicaragua uh, had this cigar that had been used for its ambassadors, diplomats, gifts on behalf of the country they started releasing it as a event only cigar, which we do consider eligible for top 25. Uh, we got some, I, I was the one that did the review and I was utterly blown away by the cigar. I thought it was just phenomenal from front to back. And so then that means again, it got, I don't remember what it got. 94. Did it get 94? Yeah. So it, got, it gets 94, qualifies for top 25. Everyone else smokes it. They score it total them up, do the math, and it ended up winning. So, you know, we're we're sort of unique in that regard in that we will we'll consider store exclusives. We'll consider event only. We'll consider $500 cigars. We'll consider all these things for our cigar, for top 25, that I can almost guarantee you would never make it on the vast majority of other publications lists. Yeah, I agree. If it's a good cigar, it's a good cigar. I don't care, you know, like, you guys, uh, I think it was Charlie who made a good point. He, uh, you guys had four Tatuajes on your top 25. You know, it's yeah. like some of these these lists, they they won't have the same uh, brand on there. Right, you get one more, slot for your... Yeah, well, it's, if it's yeah. a good cigar, I don't, you know, I don't care if it's a shop exclusive, if it's a, a line extension, or there was 200 boxes made, if it's a good cigar. my That's my opinion. I agree with that. No, too. I mean... This, this was a really interesting year in that regard because not only did you have Tatuahe getting two spots. Well, actually, I'm sorry, getting four spots. No. Well, yeah, four. Uh, Karloff. One. 
Yeah. Um, uh, black Black Label HC TAA. No, they got three. Three. Okay. Yeah. The Karloff, the TAA, the Black Crack, and yeah, maybe it was only three. Right. I believe so. Anyway, we can. I'll look it up. But it's what was interesting is not only did they get multiple spots, they got one and two, and they got three in the top ten. So like, you know, and and Charlie and I believe maintain this is like, why would you punish a company for having a great year? Like, why would you do that? You know, and I understand like maybe you need to keep your advertisers happy, or you just feel like, well, we're just we want to spread the love around. Look, that's not our. We're not here to sell cigars. We're here to give objective, educated opinions on what we're seeing and what we're smoking. And you know what? Like, if Tatuaje and my father happen to be just on fire this year, good for them. Because you know what? Like, I can also give you factories that are very well known, that are well known for their tobacco, that didn't put anything on the top 25 this year. And maybe had one that was on, that was even eligible for top 25 out of the 32 cigars, I think, to qualify. So like, we just, we just don't, we don't, we're not trying to game the ratings. We're not trying to game the results. If you can, if you put out great cigars, good, good on you. Thank you for doing it. And you're going to get rewarded for it. I think Tyler brought that up because he wanted to pat himself on the back. Uh, we did our own top 10 list with a few other guys and uh, we had some repeat brands as well. Yeah. So I looked it up. Yeah. Three in the top 10 and then you had a, um, a Fonseca. So another Pepin. Another my, right. Yeah. yeah. My father made. Yeah. Um, it's always or, like there's, you do so much when you're getting into the writing that you're, you know, between writing and photographs and walking through the, you know, doing our rehearsals for the, the live shows and everything. It's like, by the time you're done with that lap, with the Friday live show, the top 25, it's like every piece of information in your brain just like starts oozing out your ears. You're just like, I don't want to think about this anymore because it's been nothing but everything I've thought about for the last, you know, four weeks. So, For the uh, top 25 uh, article, I, it may have said in there, I know for your individual reviews, you'll list the number of cigars smoked for that review. Right. Um, so when you're each individually smoking those cigars that one of you rated above a 91, do you have a set number of sticks that you have to go through or is it just uh, case to case? So it's, it's, it's one per person if you were not the original reviewer of it. So, okay. Um, we've, you know, we always are trying to refine our process. And so a couple of years ago, we made the change to uh, try and get, if a cigar gets a 91, the other people who didn't do the actual review are supposed to smoke it within about a month of the review. Because what we were finding is that, so let's say that Cigar X gets, you know, a 91 or 92 in January. And either we're slow sourcing more of them or there's just not a deadline or whatever the case may be. So let's just say I don't happen to get around to Cigar X until November. Well, now that cigar's got 10 months of age sitting on it. So it's not the same cigar that the person who smoked it originally got. So that's something that we were fine. It's also to try and lighten our load at the end of the year, because when I talk about going to smoke cigars at lounges, a couple of years, it was like, okay, I've got six I got to get through in the next two days. And so I'm going to, and it's 35 degrees outside or whatever. I mean, 
like I said, anything under 70 feels like the back of the refrigerator to me. <laughs> but uh, so that was sort of, that was a twofold change. I think it's produced much better results because now we're all getting a much closer experience to what the person who actually smoked the cigar got. Um, it's got to be, it's got to feel really um, like rewarding that, you know, you have this um, event only cigar, you rate it high. The other guys on the team rate it high. It's your number one. And then because of you guys, it's now available to everybody. I mean, that's got to be a really cool feeling, you know? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I can, um, I think the one, and it didn't, I don't remember how it placed on the top 25, but the one that really sticks out was a Vega Fina, uh, I think it was a Siete Años Reserva, something or other. So Vega Fina is part of the Altadas Imperial portfolio, but it doesn't usually see a lot of U.S. releases. But we have a really good relationship with the Spanish distributor because it, it tends to do well in Spain and Germany and kind of Western Europe. And so they've been really good and they, you know, they help us get cigars. And I remember smoking it and going, oh my God, like this is phenomenal. And I don't remember what time of year it was, you know, call it October's or whatever. And it got like a 91 or 92 and it finished pretty decently on the top 25. And sure enough, at the next trade show, hey, we're doing 3000 boxes of this. And again, like, not that I would ever think that. And look, I am never going to take credit for Hoya de Nicaragua deciding to make that diplomatic event only cigar into not just a quasi regular production release, but then to also add two sizes to it. Yeah. That's not me. Like I'm look, they knew it was a uh, great cigar, No, <laughs> but I think it's interesting to say, because what you have to remember too, is that there are people in factories, you know, master blenders, production teams who are may have never ever been to the United States. They're trying to guess what's going to work with the American market. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And then every once in a while you'll find something that's like, oh yeah, we made this. We think it's good. And then you get to somebody in the, in the U.S. or wherever and it's like, oh my God, this is, this is phenomenal. I sort of equate it to like David Hasselhoff singing in Germany. Like they love him over there. I do. Yeah. I could take or leave listening to David Hasselhoff sing a song, but for whatever reason, like the Hoff rules Germany. Don't hassle cool. the Hoff. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and that's the thing is it's, you're not, you're never sure like what's going to be that one that hits. And sometimes that's in beer or it's in, it's in music or it's in, uh, you know, it's, it's one of the things like people say, well, how do you go viral? You know, when you're doing a social media post, you know how you go viral? You throw a hundred things against the wall and you see what sticks because if there was a formula, everyone would do it right now. But some, for some reason, something's going to resonate with somebody. And then maybe, and then in terms of uh, uh, a lot of somebody's in, in groups of people, and then it catches fire. Uh, you know, I look on paper, the Hoya de Nicaragua numero uno seems to be very close to the classical line, which yeah. is, one of their original core lines. It's not even really sold in the U.S. It's sold. No, I tried to order it CI after you guys. Or, yeah, you know, it's a, it's like a catalog exclusive, and they sell a lot in, in Europe. And you know, for whatever, like, I don't think the classical line was gaining a lot of traction. You know, the the market seemed to be shifting towards 
bigger, fuller body, pepper, you know, pepper, spice, blow your face off, blah, 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 blah. And then you go, wait a minute, guys, there is something that is still from Hoya and it is refined and elegant and just, it's so not Hoya in terms of what we all think of it because I still think of the Hoya ad that when they were doing dark Antonio, whatever that one, I always forget the name, but it's like, it's strong as balls. It's like, yeah, you guys can do that, but you can also do some other stuff really well too. Uh, real quick, while we're kind of talking about international um, cigars, sure. uh, Tyler, I know you saw this. Indiana Ortez, uh, who blended the Psycho 7 Nicaragua, posted a cigar for, I don't know if it's called Lampert, mm. and I have to double check. It's, some, it's for some lounge, I want to say in Norway I, I I'm I'm have to double check yeah um but Tyler are you you trying to get some of those <laughs> no it's it I thought they look good I mean yeah. I you know that it's like a one of the sizes look like a kind of a short fat robusto and I kind of like those like um I'm not a 60 ring gauge smoker but the the Roma craft Cro-Magnon mandible I think is one of the best um, in this in the in the lineup there, uh, I think the mold five is the best, but that that mandible I like a lot. So I'm like, oh, that's kind of a cool size. It's the only yeah. thing. Well, look, I mean, what I would say about just and I, I Dom, I don't know if this is where you were going with this, but you know, sometimes it's easy to kind of get myopic and just focus on the U.S. But there are a lot of cigar smokers all, all over the world, and you know, China's an emerging market. The Middle East is becoming an emerging market, and where I sort of go into that is go look at the Habanos Edition Regional program, you know, which has been going on for 15 or 20 years. They're making a, you know, their distributor in whatever region they're in thinks that they can sell, I can't remember what the minimum production is. It's like 125,000 cigars or 100,000 cigars for, you know, Norway or uh, the Middle East or the Emirates or, and you just, you go on like cubancigarwebsite.com, which is a great resource if you're into Cuban cigars. And like, there's been regional exclusives for Russia and South Africa. And then the Asia Pacific region gets its own thing. And obviously the UK and Germany and Spain and Portugal. And then you have like, you know, I just reviewed a cigar from Rafael Gonzalez. It's a regional for the Nordic and the Baltic countries. And you're going like, well, like I never really think of Norway and Sweden and Iceland and, you know, that part of the country around the, or the world around the Baltic Sea being a big cigar smoking place. But you know what? They do. Because Dagley has uh, lounges in Croatia or Bulgaria or one of those, I, I forget where it is. Like that's where they launch a lot of stuff is in those parts of the world. And then you get Canada and Mexico and it just goes on and on and on. And a lot of times you, again, like you kind of get myopic and go, Oh, well, everything's us, us, us. No, man, there's, there's a lot of cigars being smoked elsewhere. Like I saw that brand. Um, I saw it at a uh, Cedar room. Um, El Sep Septimo. El Septimo. Septimo. They yeah. had a little nub. It was really that big <laughs> yeah. for $17. Yeah. And I'm like, that, I, I was like, that. that's nuts. But that seems like it's a pretty big brand. Um, 
over across the pond or where I don't even know where it's based out of, but. Um, yeah, they certainly have a, so it's funny, well, not funny, if you dig into El Septimo, they have um, the guy that owns it also owns a number of hotels and resorts in Europe. Uh, and so I think there's some natural connection there and wanting to come into the U S market. You know, there was, there was always that nudge, nudge, wink, wink of, Oh, this uses undisclosed tobacco. Look, undisclosed tobacco is a marketing term. It means yeah. nothing. So don't get all sweaty about it. Um, but you know, it had some appeal and, and look, they thought they could come into the market. It's no different than, you know, like Vega Fina or, I mean, Casada was making cigars for Spain, the Reserva Espana line, and retailers in the U.S. got a couple of samples and they went, we've got to start bringing in this Reserva Espana because it's so good. And then it blew up to the point where retailers were getting to make their own size of it as a store exclusive. It, you know, like there were some core line pieces of it. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's stuff happening all over the world. I mean, Hoya makes stuff for... Europe under the Rosalones name and you know, Wait, what was that brand uh, name? Rosalones. It's a European exclusive, if I'm not mistaken, but comes out of Hoya to Nicaragua. It's weird too how you hear um, a lot of. It seems like the stuff they're using undisclosed. It, it seems like the factory is always based in Costa Rica. That seems to be like the number one thing. You know, it's like. <laughs> Oh, in Costa Rica, we, you know, that's, we grow all the, we, that's where we get all the Cuban stuff at, you know, it just seems well, weird. Yeah. I mean, look, you know, what does every, maybe not every, but what, what do a lot of American cigar smokers want to do? They want to smoke the forbidden fruit of Cuban tobacco. Cool. Like there's some do anything great. Yeah. yeah. Look, it's, I always equate it to, you know, Cuban tobacco is like, is a key on a piano or, you know, a set of keys on the piano. They have a flavor profile. Cuba can make great cigars. They, they can punch at whatever weight class you want to put them at in terms of like, give me the best of Cuba, the best of the Dominican, the best of Honduras, the best of Nicaragua. They are right there. You know, there's no doubt about that. The question is, okay, so what happens after you get out of that top tier? You know, are you, are you really then competing on the day-to-day -day basis? That's an that's a long argument for another show that we can have, but you know, but again, like there's there's a lot of this, you know, what is it? every look? Everybody wants what they can't have, right? Everyone wants the exclusive Air One Dunk Jordan Flight Ben and Jerry's Dunkin' Donuts collab, whatever you know what I, I mean? I wanted like, that so bad. Oh man, yeah. I wanted that so bad that Ben and Jerry shoe. Yeah, I mean, everyone wants, you know, it's like everyone wants Pappy. Well, why do you want Pappy? Because I can't have it. Because I can't get it. Okay, so let's do a blind tasting with Pappy and Jack Daniels and, you know, whatever, uh, Adventurous Stills out here in Arizona or whatever. Like, let's see if you actually like Pappy as much as you claim to want it because you can't have it. But it's that, it's that whole kind of thing. And, you just, and all you have to say is like, oh, well, the, well it's undisclosed. Oh, like, I wonder what that is. Well, there's a lot of Colombian tobacco that masquerades as Peruvian tobacco because a lot of Americans didn't want to support Colombia because it has some political issues. There's times where you couldn't sell Mexican tobacco mm -hmm. to save your life because Mexican tobacco, and, and I think Mexico had rules, and again, I, I forgive me if I'm misspeaking on this, 
like you couldn't blend Mexican tobacco in a factory. It like, had to be a, a Puro. Um, yeah. The, uh, that's what Miguel Shodel told us, like the, the Teyamo. Remember that, Dom? We had yeah, it all, yeah, it all had to be Puros. So, like, yeah, that creates sort of a, you know, that really limits what you can do with a certain variety of tobacco. So, you know, it's, it's just like, don't get all bought into the sweatiness of certain things and, you know, try it, smoke it. If you generally like it, cool. All, you know, dig into it. If you're just buying it because it says undisclosed, be prepared not to maybe have your expectations met. Well, I've, I've fallen in that trap a lot with the, with the limited release stuff. And it's like the, um, uh, Pete Johnson just released that uh, the, um, the his fiftieth uh, birthday packs, you know, and it's, right. it's it's the regular, you know, the uh, Noella, the J twenty one, and the um, Regio size. It's just in a fifty count cab. They're a year old, but they're the wrapped band. in foil. Yeah, and it's like, you know, he only made a hundred of each, and our shop got one of each of them. I'm like, well, I want all three of them. It's like, you know, it's like. A, you know, I work at a shop, and um, how how long am I going to hold on to these four before I open them? You know, and it's fifty of each. It's just like, right? I just I'm chasing the stuff. You know, like the Karloff. Like I had to go out and chase, you know, five boxes of that. And it's like, do I really need that much? You know, well, how often again, do like, I have time for a big cigar like that? And I would ask yourself, you know, and and again for anybody, why do you want this cigar? Do you want the cigar because it's going to make your buddies go, oh, wow. Like, do you want to smoke an oh, wow cigar that tastes like crap? Or do you want to smoke what you enjoy and go, look, I've chased a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff in my day. And I will tell you, like, where set into me was Edition Regionalis from Cuba. Like, because you sit there and you go, oh, wow, like, this is the... uh, you know, this is a, a, a cigar that you can only get in wherever, Portugal or Norway or, you know, the Emirates or whatever. And you go like, and then you light it up and you smoke and you go, wow, this is garbage. And they're like, expensive too, smoke. aren't they? Oh, yeah. They're, you can, you know, so the addition region now basically it can't be an existing size in a brand's portfolio. But it can be any other size that exists in Habanos's portfolio. And it's not like the top brands either. It's like the or not the top. I mean, it's not like right. You can't use it. You can't use the global six brands for addition regionales. So you can't use Cohiba, uh, Partagas, Upman, Romeo and Julieta, Monte, Monte Cristo. Cristo uh, there's always a fifth one that I forget because I got so much other nonsense floating yeah. in my brain. Uh, but you can't use the global brands, but you can use anything other than that. So that's why you see like Juan Lopez and Bolivar and Ramonalones, Ramonalones, and yeah, just all those guys get—they're all the regional edition uh, releases. And you know, look, there's some that really work. There's some that are really, really, really freaking good. There's a lot that you just go, wow. And you know, you're talking like a ring gauge difference. So like. They can't make a four and a half by 50, but they can make a four and a half by 52. But there's no aging on it. There's no, there's no, it's not a, it's, it's not a, uh, edition limitada. It's not a reserva. It's not a collection of Habanos. It's not a grand reserva. 
it's a size that doesn't exist in the regular portfolio with, when I say this, I temper my statement here, with whatever tobacco they're using that day, just in a little different size. It doesn't mean it's going to be good just because it's only available in one place. Do you, um, I fear, I'm, just, I'm quizzing you now. Do you, know, <laughs> do you know what your highest rated cigar on Half Wheel is and your lowest rated cigar? Teacher uh, Tyler. So are you talking about like me personally or Half yeah, you, site? Uh, you personally. Oh boy. Uh, okay. <laughs> My highest rated, I would have to think, is probably the Robinia El Padrino. Which got, or no, uh, La Bestia. Sorry, the Robinia La Bestia, which got like a ninety-seven. If you're talking about me personally, yeah. Um, uh, I have see. the the La Polina. Oh, the Excelentes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, nineteen from nineteen twenty. Yeah, that's uh, oh, that's sort of an unfair score. A ninety-seven. Can you tell how you? Can you tell how you got that cigar, or how Half Wheel procured that cigar? So in terms of specific mechanics, you'd probably have to ask Charlie, okay. uh, but we are always on secondary market sites um, looking for stuff. You know, we are, we are politely shameless in terms of asking about things. And, you know, like, I never want to say like, we just say, Hey, can we, you know, can you send us this? Because that's something that we've actually stopped doing is we, we actually don't really review samples sent to us by manufacturers anymore. Uh, we made a policy a couple of years ago where we don't review trade show samples anymore. That's a good policy, uh, I think. We, uh, you know, now that said, we also have this thing called Holy Grail Week, which is the first week of every year where we review the really rare, the really, you know, I, I don't like the term unicorn cigars, but effectively stuff that's, you know, that's just not on the the everyday radar for people. Was that so, uh, part of the whole the Holy Grail Week that La Plina? Yeah, it was. So it was, um, you know, we sort of have an ongoing conversation throughout the year. And I, when I say conversation, I mean like through our project management software where we'll like something will come up and you go, Oh, it'd be really interesting to review that. And you, and somebody had put out there like, boy, wouldn't, wouldn't it be fun? Like if you found an original La Polina, uh, you know, like, wouldn't it be fun if we found like the Viaje that was made at Hoya de Nicaragua that was never released? Like, boy, that could be fun. Or like, you know, we have a, we have a couple of reviews that we've done called Ilya, which is done by the, um, it's, it's a cigar that was nine, it was a series of nine cigars that was made by the Van Sorsen family and I'm, or made for them. So Ilya was one of the brothers in the distribution company for the Netherlands. And they've got uh, uh, Drew Estate, Hoya, My Father, Padron. There's a couple of opuses in there. But some of them were just like unique sizes or vintages or whatever the case may be. But then they got also got a couple of them that were made specifically for them. I think my father made one of them. Uh, I want to say Hoya made one blended exclusively for them. So like that's something that we get kind of intrigued about. Yeah, I see the one from my father. They made uh, 418 total cigars, and you guys got one of them. 
Yeah. So what they would do is they would release, I think it was 36 or 39 boxes. Yeah. So that's the Ilya. Um, and that was the number of boxes corresponds to the age when Ilya died. And I forgive me if I'm saying his name wrong. And again, I, I don't yeah, remember. 36, I believe, when he passed away. Yeah. So I think they do 36 boxes. They, re they, re they reserve one for his brother, his wife, I think one for each of his kids. And then they invite sort of a collection of people that knew him or friends of the family or whatever it is to get together in a shop and they all like smoke the cigar kind of in memory of his passing. So again, really cool cigar, really neat story. Uh, just one of those things you don't really see. And um, I'm really curious what I gave Lobestio, which is a 94, so I stand corrected. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, real uh, quick. Lois. Oh, yeah, please. Go ahead. Oh, uh, wait, wait, wait. Uh, Lois. Sorry. Go ahead with the lowest. Okay. So I'm going to, like, I feel bad because I, I hate being quizzed and not having answers. Sorry. I know the lowest <laughs> cigar that we ever got, that we ever scored was the My Father Baseball Bat, which got a 25. Uh, that one stands out. My lowest may have been the punch. It was a punch. Uh, not Signature. Diablo. The signature. Yeah, Punch Signature Robusto. That was a cigar that I seem to remember writing in the final notes, if I'm not mistaken. After smoking three of these, I'm left with one question. Why was this even made? <laughs> and that went over really well with a lot of people. But, hey, welcome to Half Wheel. Yeah. Know? And it's funny because... politely that, tell you that your cigar stunk. That cigar, we would go through boxes of that at the old shop I worked at. And, like... I just didn't understand. I mean, I think it might have been a price thing. I just, it, I couldn't understand it, you know, because I didn't enjoy it either. Um, no, look, I mean, there's, if there was a correlation between what sold and what was maybe considered to be the best in terms of objectivity, and, and look, ob objectivity and subjectivity get to be real, you know, close bedfellows at some points. But look, I don't think, anybody would consider Bud Light or Michelob Ultra or Coors Light the best beer in the United States, right? Yeah. But I wouldn't mind if I was getting the checks or selling them. Yeah. So that again, like, what do you want to be? Do you want to be like, do you want to get, do you want to be the guy that gets all the gold medals and wins the number one cigar of the year or the beer of the year or the, you know, spirit of the year in San Francisco, whatever that stuff is? Or do you want to be the guy that moves 8 million cigars a year? or however many cases of Bud Light they sell, or Coors Light, or Ultra, or White Claw, or, you know, whatever reminds, the hot beverage of the moment is. Reminds me of a, an Instagram picture I saw the other day. There's like an inspirational cigar pick or whatever with low, uh, wording on the front. And it said, there's no such thing as a bad cigar, just better ones. It's like, no, I, there, are, there are some bad ones <laughs> out there. No, you're, I, I think there are. And, and again, there's you know, one of the challenges that we face is respecting things that may not necessarily be for your palate, but are still really good. So I equate that to like beers or wines, because I think that's an easy one to relate to. So if you want to get into this business of being a critic, like if you want to review beer, I may never drink Imperial Baltic Porters when it's just me sitting around drinking them, but I sure as hell have better know how to rate one. Yeah. For what it's trying to be. I may not like, you know, Connecticut 
shade, you know, U.S. Connecticut shade grown mild cigars. But I better sure as hell know how to review one and not say, well, it's not as good as the, you know, the my father, Le Bijou, da da da, because it doesn't have the pepper. And guys, it's not trying to be that. Don't, you know, like, don't confuse the two. And same thing, like, I was having this conversation with a, with a younger friend of mine who's you know, kind of part of this, the, one of Brandon's friends. And we were talking about the difference between like best selling and stuff that wins awards. And I don't know how we came up on the topic. He was like, I really think American Pie should have won some awards when it came out, that movie. Great movie. And I'm like, I'm like my guy, I okay, but like that was also the year that this, that, and the other. I can't remember what the winners, you know, won the Academy Awards. Were. Like uh, American Beauty, I think, came out in American Beauty was the one. Yeah. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was that year. And I said, like, my guy, like, they have 235 million reasons not to really worry about an award because that was their gross global receipts. Like, yeah. you know, I don't think that, I don't think that the Anheuser-Busch people are really sweating not having best beer of the year trophies on their shelf when they're cashing their Bud Light checks. I just, I don't, maybe I'm wrong. Now again, like, and, and if you want to go out and you want to make Pliny the Elder and you want to make, you know, uh, KBS or, you know, whatever the, the high rated beers are in the world or, you know, whatever the case may be cool, man. Like I am all about that. But again, there's cigars that sell and there's cigars that score well. And every so often the two meet and, you know, I think that was what we've seen on other sites where they, you know, they separate their top 25 lists or the year end lists into like, Okay, here's the regular production stuff that scored really well. Here's the limited stuff that that we think is really good, but it's not our it's not what we're gonna call the best cigar of the year because it's there was, you know, two thousand boxes of it or whatever the case was. Uh real quick before we forget, uh, I'd like to give our sponsor a shout out. Uh Cigar Noise, led by Fearless Dave West. He is Abroad right now, um, but still doing stuff for small batch, all the writing. Thanks, Dave. Hope you're back stateside soon. Um, can you talk about how you uh, linked up with uh, Charlie and Brooks? If you, um... yeah. Okay, cool. So, uh, you would want to go back to about June of 2011. So I was at the t- I was living in Phoenix. I was writing for Examiner. Dot com, which is no longer around, and I was writing for Cigar Snob Magazine. And so uh, I had gotten to know Charlie and Brooks mainly because I was following them on, you know, I was reading their, I was reading their work and was really impressed with both what, what they were both doing. So in, at the trade show of 2011, Brooks and Charlie had a meal, if I'm not mistaken, at the Cheesecake Factory in the Venetian which if you've been to the Venetian, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And the, I was not part of that conversation. So uh, the conversation basically went, you know, hey, Brooks, you take really good photos and you smoke really good rare cigars and you do these really nice reviews. Well, hey, Charlie, you cover the news aspect of the business and you're really good at getting stories and getting people to talk to you and stuff like that we should combine our sites because then, you know, what, what was lacking was 
And this is, this is the motto of Halfway. We want to be the site that we want to read. And we're all cigar, you know, call it cigar nerds, geeks, enthusiasts, people that just like to do a little bit deeper dive into things. That's what unifies the three of us. And so Brooks had smokingstogie.com, which was rare cigars, great photography, really, you know, kind of interesting tasting notes and stuff like that. Charlie had the cigar feed, which was based off of uh, the sites that were covering Apple at the time. So like Ooh. nine to five, Mac, Mac nine to five, whatever the site was. Uh, and, and sort of taking that approach to trying to cover a particular company, but to extend it to the industry. So then they started working on that, on bringing their two sites together. And somewhere along the way, they realized that if they want to make this work, they needed a third person who had both the interest in cigars, the ability to write, the ability to take photos, the schedule to allow for uh, being a, you know, on call sort of during the day and whatnot. And I jokingly say I was like the 17th alternate <laughs> to be called. But at some point I got a message, I got an email from Brooks, I think it was, of, hey, are you available for a, for a phone call uh, at some point in time? I think it was like November of 2011. And I said, sure, like, you know, here's my number, call me. And so phone rings and it's Charlie and Brooks. And they effectively explained to me the idea of half wheel and how like what it was going to be what was going to be expected what you know effectively laid everything out on the table and i went yeah that sounds really cool because i wish i could you know i wasn't able to do everything i wanted to do with examiner i wasn't able to do everything i wanted to do with cigar snob uh and this sort of gave seemed to create a new outlet for us so we signed some paperwork. I the site launches on January first of twenty twelve. I come on in a real more full time not full time but effectively a full time sense about six weeks after because there was some we had to we had to iron out some things with my existing uh, obligations and one of my existing obligations did not like the fact that I was going to half wheel so we parted ways and that like I say that was January first of twenty twelve and we've really not look back since awesome yeah i just um i just love how easy it is to uh navigate the site i mean i'm i check the site probably 10 times a day you know it's one of the things it's, <laughs> thank you yeah I appreciate it's, uh, it. we all appreciate the page views thank you very kindly yeah um and it's also too like i go back and i read um old reviews and old um editorials and uh it's um it's it, for a retailer. It's a fucking wealth of knowledge. And I love how you go deep into like the, I love the, the introductions. I love the bullet points, you know, cause that, that's like the stuff I love to hear. Sure, um, thank you. And that's the thing with Wisconsin. It's not a super heavy cigar market. You know, there's a smoking ban. It's shitty 11 months of the year. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, that's a way to, and that's kind of why I wanted to start a podcast. It was, um, and that's kind of how me and Dom, we met at the trade show and kind of started that way. Just a way to, you know, get people on and, and, and chat. And, uh, um, yeah, like I said, I mean, literally I'm on it 10 times a day. So, well, um, you know, what I can tell you, like I say, is, you know, our overarching motto 
is we want to be the site that we want to read. You know, effectively, we write for ourselves. And we just happen to have a couple hundred thousand or whatever our current number is of people that just like to follow along with that. What was really interesting with the start of Half Wheels, it sort of came about at the same time as social media was really taking off as a methodology for manufacturers and brand owners to cons to uh, to communicate with various constituents within the industry, whether it be consumers or retailers. And I remember having a conversation with a sales rep uh, based in Phoenix, who unfortunately is no longer with us, but he said to me, like, the only reason he ever signed up for Facebook was because that was the only way he could keep up with what his brands were doing. Because all, like, he'd go into shops and they were, like, the retailer was asking him about stuff yep. because Cigar Brand X had posted about it on their Facebook or their Instagram or whatever that day. And we were sort of an extension of that. You know, as I like to say to people, you know, we, we hope that you will take a little bit of your breakfast, lunch, and dinner time to stop by Half Wheel and see what's going on so you're up to date on, on the world. And if that's not possible, subscribe to our newsletter. You go to our website. There's a sign-up box in the upper right-hand corner. And you'll get all the stories from the previous day in your email at 6 in the morning or 6 a.m. Central Time. Uh, and a lot of times it's like, yeah, you know, I'm making my coffee. I'm waiting for my toast to toast or whatever. And go, oh, okay, well, oh, look, there's a smoking ban that's in the t next town over. Or, oh, wow, the FDA did this. Or Cigar Company X is doing this or that or whatever the case may be. I mean, we want to give people a reason to come back to the site because, unfortunately, one of our, you know, one of the biggest, you know, the 800-pound elephant in the room, I guess more than 800 pounds, but, you know, the elephant in the room publishes one story a day, effectively, maybe two. And so we wanted to just give light to the as much of the cigar industry as we can give you a reason to come back because i was always amazed at like how can there only be one story a day yeah you know, like there's that's not that's not feasible and we just sort of broke the mold on that so that's you know that's what we do and at the end of the day you know if there's ever a question that comes up about should we write about this should we talk about this whatever the three of us hop in the conference call and it's would we want to read this if we were not on this side of the computer screen. And um, I also like some of the stuff you guys have been doing with the, with the YouTube channel. Um, I think you do a really good job with your, um, with your, your lighter reviews. I, I watch all those. Thank you. Um, I read them and I watch the lighter reviews. I say, thank you very much. <laughs> I'm always nervous as heck about those. No, they're, they're good. And um, you know, I like that you, you do all kinds of, of, uh, um, uh, you know, from the the ten dollar you know everyday carry lighter to the to the new Dupont, and then I saw the review, and um, I have the uh, and I always forget the name, but I have the um, the extreme Dupont, and then they came out with the the dual flame, and then you had a mm. the review wasn't favorable on it, and I told my buddy, I'm like, don't get it. I'm like, half wheels said, don't get it, man. <laughs> he got it, and he hated it, and it broke right away, and I'm like. <laughs> What did I tell you, man? Like they're not BSing. They they test that lighter for a long time before they do the review. Yeah, I mean it's you know like right now we're doing a we're doing an extended series on. Uh, so, one of the questions you know we all of us get asked basically the same question, which is what's your favorite cigar? What cigar yeah. should I smoke? 
And then inevitably something of, you know, what's your favorite lighter or cutter or humidor, or I need a humidor. What humidor should I buy? Dom, scratch so, those off the questions we're asking. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I'll tell you what, I mean, I'll tell you what I think is the other good one. I'll tell you everything I use. I don't keep secrets, but, um, you know, Charlie does our humidors and humidification reviews. So Brooks does cutters, I do lighters. And like I said, Charlie does humidors, humidification uh, topics. You got the best and, end of that one, the lighter. <sighs> cutters I, cool I like, I, yeah, I like to think so. Brooks gets some really interesting cutters and, I'm glad I say that I like I don't have to destroy cigars in uh, in testing cutters because some of them are not very good and you know some things that seem like they are great ideas on paper don't actually work in principle or in practice. Uh, but like so, one of the questions that we seemingly always get is, "Hey, I'm getting into cigars. I need a humidor. I don't want to spend, you know, X to get a." a blank or whatever, like I want to spend about this and I want to have about this many cigars. So Charlie just started a series that he's going to be running over the next, I think three to four months of what is the humidor that is, that looks like what we generally consider as humidors that can hold about 75 cigars and costs no more than 175 bucks. So we found seven of them that meet that criteria. And so the next, I know we, we were talking about this today during our meeting uh, and kind of how these are going to play out, but it's basically every two to three weeks, there'll be a new humidor that gets reviewed. And hopefully it's sort of an extended like humidor shootout as to, you know, if, if that's what you want to do. But then like at the same time, we also reviewed a $14 plastic bin that you can get at Target because you know, in, in my hierarchy of things, depending on how many cigars you have and how many, how much, how many, how much money you want to spend at it, there's like, there's the plastic bag that you get at the store when you buy your cigars. There's the Ziploc plastic bag that holds like a gallon or two. And then there's different tiers of humidors. And then you get to the $5,000 Ellie blue custom something blank, 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 whatever. But you know, we want to show people that, like, you know what? A lot of half wheels inventory is in these ten or fifteen dollar plastic airtight tubs that we get at Target. And you know what? For our purposes, they work just fine. And you know, but we're also not you know, we're not putting them on a desktop. We are trying to store a lot of cigars. Now that all said, we also have really nice, expensive cabinet humidors that have Cigar Oasis humidification in it, and are well into the four figures. So we, like we run the gamut, but we also like, if I want, if I, if I, again, if I wasn't on this side of the computer screen, what would I be interested in reading? Because look, I know that not everyone's going to go out and drop a hundred dollars or $200 or $500 for a lighter or however many hundreds or thousands of dollars for a humidor. So let's cover that spectrum and give people some ideas as to what would work for their situation. Um, did you, do you guys have any plans to, uh, so I know they're supposed to be sold as a set, but that that new my father seventy year. Did you? Are you guys? I'm sure someone's got to be selling those as singles, right? The, the hundred dollar. It came in the the ten thousand dollar Ellie Blue, right? Humidor. Um, but I think it's crazy that uh, the my father sales force. I, I'm pretty sure they want you to sell it as a set. Am I? Re, 
Am correct. I understanding that correctly? Yeah. You're, you are correct. That is, is, it is designed to be sold as a set. Do you guys have plans on getting that set? Uh, <laughs> I would say yes to probably both of your questions, which is, are we trying to find singles? Yes. Would we consider buying the entire thing? Yes. Perfect. Thank you. So, um, again, I, I do not have a definitive answer for you at the moment. No, that's um, exactly what I was looking for. Thank you. But I mean, that's the, a, a tough question. The answer question. is yes to both. So, um, Patrick, we are at the one hour mark. So, if you do have another engagement, uh, just give us a heads up. No, no, I'm good for I'm good for a bit. I just cool. literally my engagement for the rest of the night is smoking more cigars. So, well, perfect. Not too um, bad. Uh, we we have a new segment. I'm not sure how long we can uh, beat it before it dies, but uh, you mentioned earlier you don't like the word unicorn, uh, so you can't choose that. But what word would you like to delete from the cigar industry? Oh, boy. Uh, I could so go I'd first be, if you... Oh. Yeah, please go. Yeah, go for it. Um, so me and Dom kind of have different um, opinions on the direction we want to go with the podcast. You know, it's... We do a lot of different, like, this is more like a straightforward kind of like interview um, where I get to nerd out and ask somebody who knows a lot more than me, all these different questions. And then he also, we also do episodes where like you saw, like um, we had Rudy on and, and Danny where that was an interview, but it was kind of like a hearse. So, I don't like that, that one, term. That one was more of an interview. Okay. But I don't, I'm not a big fan of the word hearse. I don't know. Okay. It just, it's just a like the hearse door, the, you know, oh, Let's, let's 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 do a herf online. I just I'm not a fan of the the word herf. To be clear, Tyler, I dislike it as well, but I I still use it. Well, what's another word that we could use? Just a BS session or just shooting the shit? I mean, what's herf? I it just does that. What is where did that even come from? Is that like a um? I don't know. Hit up Google. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say like type 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 Google Google Google. Uh, yeah, or like is it like a I don't know, but Dom, do you have a word this week that you would? Well, learn? no, I, I mean, I don't know if we can, we can come up with a new word every week. Yeah. Uh, what I say last week was uh, thirds, just to mix things up. So to see uh, how reviews would look if there wasn't that criteria that people stuck by. No, I think that's fair. I think the, I think the third idea is a, it's a convenient one, but it's not one that necessarily, uh, translates into actual cigars because sometimes you're going to get a cigar that you know is very consistent in the first half and then it does a whole bunch of stuff in the second half or you're so, smoking the el subtimo <laughs> i don't know and, and <laughs> oh believe me like we do some like four inch cigars every once in a while it's like like puff 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 well that's the first third puff yeah. puff puff that's the second third yeah. you know you're buying puffs in and you're going well thankfully it's divisible by three um, apparently the word, the, the origin of the word herf has been lost to history, says one of our fine sponsors. So I don't have a great, uh, answer for that. Hmm. Uh, as far as like, God, what would I, you know, I don't, I, it's, I'm a, I'm a, it's somebody that deals in words a lot, both, you know, from writing and doing voiceover and stuff like that. There's, there's a lot of words I hate or misuses of words I hate. In the cigar industry, I don't know if there's one that really like that gets that, that gets to me. Um, I know Charlie's not a fan of the word collaboration because 
a lot of times the term collaboration gets misused for, no, you're a brand owner and you're a customer of a factory. Yeah. Uh, uh, I've never liked the word log in referring to a cigar. Uh, you know, like, and again, you see it in one particular publication, you know, this log of a cigar is like, yeah, you used up log a hundred times. I don't, I'm kind of done with that one. I'm not a fan uh, of calling cigars other, other words besides cigar, like stick. This is a good stick. Yardgar, stogie. I had a manufacturer tell me they were they could never understand why somebody would refer to it as a stick. <laughs> and I was like, I said that earlier in the podcast. Did you? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I remember it. Uh, Edit that out, Dom. Thank you. I don't know if there's anything that really, you know, like in terms of specific words, I don't think there's anything that really, that really gets me. I think if anything, it's. I, I get frustrated with like mispronunciations and stuff. Um, Agornosa or Agornosa. Oh, Croliolo, um, <laughs> Olivia, Series 5, um, uh, Robusto. That one gets me. Uh, See, well, Pat, Patrick, you're, I got to know this. What is your, what is your weakness here? Because, okay, you take good photography. You, you're a good writer. You got like the most professional voice. I've, you know, I can't, I hate my voice. I mispronounce everything. I can't write. <laughs> it's like, is there, what, oh. what's your, do you have a weakness with, in regards to, is there something that you could work on in cigar? Like I, there's a lot of shit I could work on for me. It's, it's pronouncing words, right. You know, and oh, yep. <laughs> yeah, no, I would look. I mean, I think from the role that we have as as journalists and as reviewers is to be translators. I mean, that's that's the role of a good journalist is to take the complex or the unfamiliar and make it understandable to those who do not understand what it is. So I think you know that is always the the overarching goal of of getting better at what I do, whether that's making my sentences more, you know, making them tighter and shorter and more single thought to, you know, I, I get on Charlie about this all the time. It's like, you know, you have to remember that something may taste a certain way to you, but the rest of the world has probably never tasted that. And you, you can be specific and that's fine to a point. And the case being, um, so, I grew up in Seattle. I lived there till I was 29-ish, till well, November 2009. Or no, I guess it was a little over 30 before I moved down here to Phoenix. And I don't know if you guys know who Mario Batali is, but celebrity oh, yeah. chef, Food Network, really kind of well-known guy if you know that stuff. So Mario Batali's dad was an engineer at Boeing, which you know makes airplanes. So he retires. He opens a salami shop in Pioneer Square, which is sort of the south of downtown area of seattle if it's not boeing mm-hmm. i'm not going there there you go or we're uh, airline <laughs> okay there you go uh so he made this he had this this particular type of salami that had like orange peel or orange zest in it or something and like if you know if you had like really good salami it's got that fatty oily it's not meaty like a steak is but there's still some meatiness and I remember having a cigar going like, oh my God, that's, that's that flavor. It's orange and it's fatty and oily and meaty. Like, and I can say that. I said, well, it tastes just like this salami from 
place called Salumi up in Seattle. Like 99% of the people, like, look, a cigar may taste like my grandmother's spaghetti sauce. I guarantee you, nobody reading Half Wheel outside of one of my uncles knows what my grandmother's <laughs> spaghetti sauce tastes like. Well, so, that's like, a perfect transition to one of the questions we had um, from one of the viewers. Um, uh, so, I, Dom, did you, should I just read it off or can you form it in a better way? Oh, uh, yeah. I so, yeah. Um, uh, this listener said he loves the uh, news articles that Half Will puts out. Um, but there uh, are sometimes criticisms based on certain uh, notes um, on the blend reviews. So how do you guys, and you already mentioned that it's done individually. So do you react? Do you comment to one another? How does that process go? Well, I guess you yeah, kind of so, answered that a little bit, right? Yeah, it kind of did. So I can do like our editing process, which is probably the worst part of Half Wheel, if, I, if I'm being totally honest, is that we, you know, we we have way too many typos for my liking. Because again, my my baseline is perfection. Yeah. And it should be perfection and you get better from there. And that's borrowed from a former Major League Baseball umpire who says, you know, being an umpire is the only job in the world where you're expected to start perfect and get better. Uh, and there are times where I will say, so basically I edit Charlie's reviews. Charlie edits Brooks and my reviews. And I will occasionally edit Brooks's reviews if Charlie's unavailable for whatever reason, if he's traveling or something. Uh, and there are numerous times where I have to say to Charlie, you know, okay, I know what a new mommy sensation tastes like or what that physical reaction is. You need to explain that to people because someone somewhere doesn't know what that tastes like or it's just never been connected to, to that. I think Indiana Ortez asked that question on a, on a, um, somebody they were talking about reviews and, and she asked that question cause she wasn't familiar with that. Yeah. And you know, and look, we all have our backgrounds of, of foods that we like. I remember getting criticized because so I eat, you know, I, I'm pretty, uh, what's the word? Uh, uh, when you like bougie, I'm that guy. That, I'm no, I'm that guy that eats everything, you know, <laughs> like, well, versed. like nothing is off limits to me. Um, you know, I'll eat anything for the most part. And, uh, but there's, but again, even then, like there's times where I just don't know what somebody may, may be referencing. And, uh, you know, so I always say, get it back to that sort of familiar place. And if you feel like a, a specific term is warranted, by all means use it, but don't let that be the, don't let that be the only thing you say. So like, Again, I said to Charlie, you know, he had some review the other day that was talking about there's a real umami flavor. I said, look, you need to put in after the first time you mention that, what is umami flavor to you? And it's that kind of, you know, savory, uh, it's not salty, but it's like MSG and it's that, it's, it, you know, once you kind of get familiar with it, it becomes a little bit easier to understand. But, you know, look, a lot of times, we don't even think about flavors when we eat. And unfortunately this is an American yeah. sort of problem is like a lot of times we're just sitting there, you know, we're, we're eating our food and we're watching TV or we're eating in the car because we're going from place to place. And it's just like, I'm just trying to get something in my stomach to 
stop the hunger pains from distracting me from whatever else I'm trying to be doing. And like it just fuel, like there's it just fuel. Yeah, it's yeah. You're 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 getting a physical reaction saying I'm hungry, so therefore I'm going to eat something to stop that unpleasant sensation. Uh, and what I tell people is, you know, so let's start with like sweetness. And first thing I would say is like if you if you really want to just take that next step into understanding flavors, go online and Google flavor wheel because you will get a really good succinct idea of sort of the spectrum of flavors that we pick up as human beings. But then I'll say to people, okay, so if I say something is sweet, name me 20 things that are sweet. Well, ice cream is sweet. Milk is sweet. Apples are sweet. Bananas are sweet. Candy is sweet. Chocolate is sweet or can be sweet. Uh, you know, and you can just go on down the list, but nobody's confusing like milk chocolate with an apple, right? So like you have to get into that point where you're not being too specific to where you're, you're disconnecting from people, but you want to be specific enough to try and say, this is the kind of sweetness that reminds me of, you know, a sugary cereal or one of my favorites, you know, the milk left over at the end of a bowl of frosted flakes or something like there's a very distinct taste that comes from that because you're getting creaminess and sugar and sweetness and everything else Uh, better than the milk after lucky charms yeah i mean you know we all have our again we all have our frames of reference and you know it's, it's just trying to sort of get into that to find that little sweet spot of like let's be relatable specific but not so specific that we are becoming esoteric and hard to you know if you read a cigar review on half wheel and you don't understand a single thing about what we said it tastes like we didn't do you a service we didn't do our job and that's a fail for us uh back to words this is a segment we haven't done uh a few <laughs> shows so i teach you're gonna get me on a tangent here in a minute so i just i want you <laughs> to be right. aware of that uh, I teach a few subjects in middle school. Uh, one is spelling vocabulary. And earlier you mentioned subjective, which was a spelling word this week. And uh, in seventh grade, oh, collaboration, uh, the word that Charlie doesn't like. Another word this week. Uh, Tyler, you get to start and because I know you're going to look at your phone. Use subterfuge in a sentence pertaining to cigars. A... Uh... Go, pass. come on. I, I do, There's I no pass. I am not good at this. I told You're on you. on the clock. This is a test. No, no. I've never even heard of that word. Subterfuge? No. Hmm, okay. Well, I was going to do verisimilitude, but uh, I thought subterfuge was easier. Oh, you're throwing up. You throwing like to show hard off. ones there. Yeah. yeah these, are, these are sixth grade spelling words. I'm, like, I didn't use verisimilitude until I was in college. So, like, if you were saying that um, the uh, the tobacco broker misled the buyer with subterfuge in order to make enough by mis the tobacco broker mislabeled the tobacco he sold to the company owner uh, because of he needed to employ subterfuge to make his rent payment that month. Yeah, you're. You, you got I'm it. sniffing was, it. I'm not. I'm not there yet. It's. 
I was thinking like a, a broker or rep use subterfuge when they put their brand band on an, on a Padron and then convince right. the people to buy a box of his cigar or something like that. Or, 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 or yeah, the tobacco, the, the cigar company owner called it Dominican tobacco out of subterfuge because he knew that uh, Haitian tobacco wouldn't sell. Yeah. Perfect. There's your word of the day. <laughs> Ugh, I couldn't, hey, I can't even spell that. So for you, the real think hard I part could... is when you get subterfuge confused with centrifuge. Oh, God. It's like a nuclear reactor term, isn't it? <laughs> the center cannot hold. Patrick, earlier you had mentioned you have to kind of like, um, well, with reviews, you, you were mentioned like, um, you may not like something, but you have to be able to, you know, put your, I don't know if bias is the right word or not. Is there, is there a, um, a type of cigar or a type of wrapper that you prefer or you don't prefer or you do or do, uh, do and don't like kind of? Yeah. So, so I, um, <laughs> funny you mentioned this. So I really love Mexican San Andreas tobacco. I really, I've come to really like, uh, Habano, like Ecuadorian, Nicaraguan Habano. Uh, I, I really, I don't know what it is. There's a certain point at which Honduran tobacco sort of is a generality with a certain amount of age on it becomes really good. Whereas like young Honduran tobacco or, or maybe what would be considered typical and okay for commercial release Honduran tobacco doesn't do it for me. Uh, Charlie it was reviewing a cigar maybe a month ago, and I was asking him about it, which is something we don't usually do, but I knew he was working on it, and I just wanted to see how the review was coming along. He goes, well, it's got that Patrick-level earthiness to it. <laughs> you know, like, I really love earthy, and that's why I like Mexican San Andreas, and this is this is an interesting one. So I think Mexican good Mexican San Andreas has a bit of a clay note to it, and clay is often used in baseball diamonds, like for the infield dirt, it's a mixture of a lot of things, but usually there's some clay in it. And there's been cigars I've smoked that, as I say this, taste like sliding into second base. And some people just don't like that flavor. Some people hate Olor. Like, I'm not a big Olor fan from the Dominican. I think it's yeah, good in, in small doses. I think it's a nice accent note, um, much the same way that I like Tapatio hot sauce, but I would never just drink a shot glass of it. It's good on my burrito, but it's not necessarily good by itself. Um, I think, I think like U.S. grown Pennsylvania and Connecticut broadleaf can get metallic, and that isn't something necessarily something that I really get sweaty about. Um, you know, I, I think broadleaf can go wrong, and when broadleaf goes wrong, it really does not work for my palate. Tyler, uh, what um, what was the one you said tastes like met metallic to you? Uh, Jalapa, uh, Jalapa tobacco. Mm. I get that a lot with the um, uh, tobacco Pachardo cigars. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, well, you're talking about aged Honduran and then Habano. Um, so what I thought of immediately was the Aladino vintage. What's it called? Aladino Habano Vintage Selection Rothschild, which was in your top 
which is in yep. Half Wheels Top 25. Brooks originally rated a 91. So I could see that was probably up your alley. Yeah, um, it's Honduran tobacco is really weird. I don't, I, I've yet to figure it out. And I want to go down and like spend some time with the Iroas because there is something. And I say this about like Asylum 13. Or was, yeah, uh, Asylum 13, which is an aged Honduran. Honduran tobacco has this like dusty earthiness when it's, you know, it, it's gone through sort of the normal processing. And I, again, I've only been to Honduras once, but there's times you're out in like certain roads and it's, you know, you're going through farms like, man, it's like everything's just dusty. And it sort of reminds yeah. me of Phoenix, which is, you know, look, we are in a desert technically. And when it gets really dry and really windy, you tend to get a kind of a dusty flavor in the air, mm-hmm. especially during monsoon season before the rains hit in. And I find the same thing with Honduran tobacco. Like that doesn't, that doesn't work for me, but there's something about, I don't know if it's three years or four years or whatever that it, it makes a jump and it goes, wow, like this is really, really freaking good. So um, that was one of the factories I was able to visit was uh, um, Julio Arroyo's, uh, which I think Charlie went to, I don't know what Brooks went to when they were starting to launch Jerry. Um, that oh, was yeah. a great, great experience. Um, that's I love Esteli so much where I'm not sure if I would go back to Honduras, especially I've never been to the DR or Cuba. Okay, sure. Um, but I've spent, I was in uh, Nicaragua for uh, 18 days back in March, right when the shit started to hit the fan. Um, uh, is there a, a favorite country you like to visit? Because you guys do a lot of the the um, the big uh, the big show, Pearl Cigar and um, all the other ones. Is there one that you really look forward to? Uh, I, I look forward to them all for very different reasons. Uh, you know, the Dominican is, I mean, if you're talking festivals, the Dominican is probably one of the better organized ones. And I, I'm going to take Cuba out of the conversation just for a moment Mm -hmm. because, you know, Cuba is such a different world for so many reasons. And I've been fortunate to be there four or five times now. And the nice thing about Cuba is because like my cell phone doesn't work there and internet's kind of spotty. I really feel like I get to sort of be on vacation, even though I know that's not like the, the correct term to use yeah. is that like, you know, we don't, Americans don't vacation in Cuba. Uh, but it gives me the opportunity to sort of function in the country at a different level of interaction and i'm so intrigued by it and i just, I, I think cuba is just look it has a it has a list of problems a mile long nobody's going to argue that but there's also a lot of really cool parts of cuba that are you have to respect uh, you know like i was supposed to go to ecuador this winter because i wanted to see growing operations there yeah. they don't make cigars there i just wanted to go see field because look i live in downtown phoenix i live in you know an urban environment. So for me, getting to be out on a field is really, it's, it's for lack of a better word, it's life-giving because you're back in nature. You're back amongst things that are growing. You know, you're, you're really connecting to the soil in a different way that you don't get to do when you're walking around on asphalt or living in a high rise. Uh, so no, I mean, I think they're, I think all of them have their own unique, you know, uh, merits and, and appeal. 
Uh, I certainly think in the Dominican, maybe you get, it's a, it's a tick more developed than like Esteli is, you know, and Esteli is coming along, has come a long way. Uh, so I, I, I tend to think maybe on the Dominican, I get a little more full breadth of things. Like I just mm-hmm. found out the Caribbean series is going to be in Santo Domingo next year and knock on wood. I would love to go watch that. And I have friends in Santo Domingo and there's the village, you know, Villager has a, or there's the ABAM factory, which is there. I may try and go watch the Caribbean series and see that factory and kind of do that whole thing. Um, you know, I don't necessarily know if I have a favorite amongst them all. I think it's, you know, for me, it's just getting to, it's just getting to be somewhere that I'm not, you know, for 49 weeks a year. Yeah. Do you see yourself in, in Phoenix uh, for the long haul? Would you ever relocate to, to Texas or, you know, be by the other guys and, or is Phoenix kind of, well, you, well, you talk about buying a house, so you're probably pretty, yeah, look, I um, I made it well. Uh, look, I I never say that anything is going to be the end all, be all, or the you know the long term answer. I mean, something could come up, and look, life is an equation, you know, and you've got a whole bunch of things on one side of the equal sign, and that's family, friends, professional opportunities, environment, economics, and then you have the number on the right side of the equal sign, and for me, the goal is always how do I maximize the number on the right side? Yeah. So like, I love Seattle, which is where I grew up. I made it till I was about 29. And I said, I got to get out of here because I was just tired of cold and gray and rainy and stuff like that. And I had been fortunate enough to be exposed to Phoenix, which is warm, sunny, baseball, cigars, all this other stuff. It's a pretty good combination for me. Uh, I can't say that I would necessarily move to Dallas. Now, that said, if, I don't mean, like the Texas Rangers called me and, or the Houston Astros and said, hey, we'd like to pay you X number of dollars per year and to do this and that and the other thing. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not turning it down. There's a point in my life I was ready to move to Miami to go work for the Marlins. You know, I was applying for a job and it didn't happen. And I was ready to pack up and move there. Um, but I mean, for, for where I am right now in my life, Phoenix is seemingly a pretty good sweet spot of everything that I want to do. Uh, you know, we've got, like I said, I work for major league baseball. I work for, I do announcing for a couple of teams and, you know, we're getting ready for spring training. And I was do I was literally having conversations about, Hey, can you cover this game? Can you cover that game right before we signed on? Mm -hmm. You know, like I am, we're, just under two weeks out from the start of spring training. And I like, I am giddy to get back to ballparks. You know, like I hadn't seen a live sporting event in eight and a half months because of the pandemic. And I do work for uh, the Phoenix Suns and the Mercury, which are NBA and WNBA teams. So like, I remember walking in the Suns arena or where they both play for, you know, like kind of preseason production meetings. It was like, like my heart just like started beating again. Like I had woken up from the dead, just being back <laughs> in an arena and then getting to see live sports, you know, and Phoenix is one of the handful of cities in the country that have all four pro sports teams. And there's no four major teams. You know, we have a USL soccer team. We have WNBA, we have spring training, we have the Arizona fall league. 
We have a rookie league, minor league that plays here. So I think it would be really, really tough to get me to go somewhere um, short of a really, really nice paycheck that was tied into it. Yeah, it sounds like the perfect situation. Oh, look, and we all we all live places because we love it or there's some reason that we're there. I was, you know, when I was living in Seattle, you know, I would travel a lot and I'd go different places. And I'd always have that thought of like, wow, it's a really nice place to visit. I don't know if I'd want to live there. You know, like I remember being in, in New York City and in Manhattan in particular. So I had a buddy that I went to high school with that was uh, working for – uh, Jay-Z's company, Rockefeller, Rockaware. And I remember just like walking around Manhattan going, and this is like in the nice time of the year. It wasn't winter. It's going like, man, I don't know. Like, this is fun. Like, there's a lot of stuff happening here, but man, I don't know if this is, I don't know if I could see myself being here. And I'd come down to Phoenix and go, hey, it's warm. It's sunny. You don't have to shovel snow. You know, like, I, you know, we joke about like having tire chains here. Like nobody has tire <laughs> chains in Phoenix because it's never snows. Uh, you know, I, I remember when I moved down here, it was November of 2009. It was like 75 degrees. And I remember sitting in my apartment going like, this is bizarre. And even to this day, and I've been here for 11 years, like it's February 16th and I'm in, like, I don't even have to look at a jacket, you know, <laughs> like this is like, this doesn't feel right. I'm in my house with a hoodie on, jogging pants, and a, um, a electronic fireplace going, you know. It's oh, like, and like I say, you know, anything under 70 degrees now is cold to me. So, you know, and my threshold's about 113 on the other end of it. So, and that's when I start to get really kind of cranky. But, you know, like, I, I just, I like where I live. I'm, I'm really happy where I'm at right now, so. Uh, Patrick, this is my last question. I'm back to baseball. So, as Tyler said, we met at the trade show. Was that seventeen? Uh, yeah, I think. Um, and I took along my housemate at the time. We were good friends in high and uh, excuse me, college. Lived together. Lived uh, together three years after that as well. He knows nothing about cigars, um, but he came with me, held the camera to do some interviews, and he actually kind of. Started, I don't know if he started talking to you, Tyler, or he's just like, oh, hey, look at this lonely uh, dude in the corner of the Romacraft party. It was kind of sad. Let's <laughs> go talk to him. Um, but he's big into sports. He's a L.A. native, big Dodgers fan, loves football as well, Raiders fan. Um, and I want to get him on the podcast, but I want to bring him with somebody else who knows sports. So at least maybe – he doesn't know cigars. We can. I want to try to get him into the uh, into the group in some way. What other cigar uh, guys out there are big in sports? Off the top of my head, I can think of Miguel Chaudel, who we've had on, and yep. Oliver of United. Are there any others that you can think of? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, shoot. It's Hector kind of a Alfonso weird of uh, Hector yeah. Alfonso Espinosa, big oh, yeah. Mets fan, uh, pretty big Aaron football Lomas. fan. Yeah. Um, Bear. You know, it would be an interesting was Dan Tiont. Um, so his dad was Louis Tiont, who played in the majors uh, 
late 60s, 70s, into the mid 80s. Um, and they have a cigar brand. Well, they had a cigar brand called El Tiante. Um, and they're, there's been some chatter. It may reemerge at some point. But Dan Tiant could be a really interesting one. He's, a, he's doing uh, amateur development uh, for baseball in the Miami area, or I think in the Miami area. Uh, okay. Who else I put there? I mean, Orlando Alduque Hernandez has his own cigar line. I don't know how his English is. Uh, so that would be an interesting one. Uh, boy, who else is a real big sports fan that I would put out there? Those are the ones that come to mind. Because I remember, and I bring up Hector and some of the Espinosa guys, because I was down at La Zona Palooza in 2019, and they do a live show as part of that. And they got, and they brought me on it. And it was like, you know, they were, they're just, they're flat out like, you know, Hall of Fame questions. So I'm like, guys, I have to like, I work for MLB. I have to temper my responses because I, you know, can't be that guy. We're supposed to be kind of non-opinionated. Um, and I certainly don't want anything coming back to haunt me. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, Hector could be a fun one. He's a, he's a character. Yeah, um, Hector is a good dude. Yeah, Mr. Sunshine, Mr. Warmth. Mr. Warmth, yeah. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a great one. And and be sure to tell him I recommended that because I'm sure he'll love me for that. Uh, yeah, I think it'd be you know he'd be a good starting point. Uh, I think who else I would put in there? Maybe Ram Rodriguez from El Artista because they do the David Ortiz cigar. Yeah, that's true. Um, I would be interested to know who at Rocky Patel set up things like the Ray Lewis cigar and the Gary Sheffield and the Bernie Parent and the, I want to say there's another one in there. Although there's a hockey one. one. Did you? Bernie Parent. Yeah. Parent, okay. I didn't recognize that name. I should have. Yeah. He was a, he played for the Flyers if I'm not mistaken. Um, I'd be interested to know like if there's somebody in that group that kind of brokers that deal. Uh I mean, you know, the other one you could get is Carl Malone. Uh, you know, he has his own yep. line of cigars. And his daughter, uh, Kate, it's not Casey, Katie, maybe I think is her name. She kind of runs their retail operation in, uh, I know they're in Louisiana somewhere. That may be an interesting one, uh, to try and get Carl on. I don't, I don't know what he's, you know, what he's talking about basketball-wise. I mean, when I saw him at TBE a couple of years ago, he was very like, he, he gave a keynote yeah. speech. He's like... Number one, no basketball questions, but you never know. I mean, he may have some some interesting insight for you. So, it's a good starting point. Cool, Tyler. You thought that was a weird question? Yeah, you're asking the guest who he should who. It's just a it's should we weird. Move on next? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's uh. Hey, I got this friend who wants to be on the podcast. Know nothing about cigars. And Tyler used to be big in the sports. He's not anymore. Uh, well, I couldn't tell you you like sports. You said you don't watch football. I don't want, okay, here's the thing. So, and I've talked about this on the podcast numerous times. When I get into something, okay, for me, like middle school, it was sports. High school, college, it was movies. And uh, 20s, you know, with cigars. So it's like, I kind of hamper or not, that's not, I kind of just put all my attention on one thing, you know? So sure. it's like, I could talk to you about, you know, the 2001 Milwaukee Bucks team that took uh, Philly to game seven in the NBA Eastern Conference Finals. You know, I could name that whole team. 
But can I name the whole team now? No. Do I? Well, I can't remember the last time I watched the Bucks play because it's like I'm all in the, you know, one thing right now. Even with even with the Atitude Kupo, you know, you're not watching Bucks games. No, because they're they're gonna they're gonna fuck it up, man. They always do. <laughs> it, I I lost faith in the Milwaukee Bucks when they traded Ray Allen for a half a season of Gary Payton. And Desmond Mason. Oh boy, we're gonna see now. You know, you know who you're talking to is somebody from Seattle. Yeah. Who was working for the Sonics when that trade happened? And the famous line, because Howard Schultz was the owner of the team, was somebody brought a sign to a game that said, "Hey Howard, where's our Starbucks?" <laughs> but I'm ching. Uh, yeah. What an awful who, trade. Wasn't Ben Baker a part of that deal, or was he? Wasn't he involved? He in was that, a or? former Buck. No, that was he was already gone. He was um, okay. It was part of the separate deal. Yeah, it was. We wanted to cater to George Carl, so we traded somebody in his prime who had a few years left on his deal for a guy whose contract was expired at the end of the year and who uh, was like year twelve, you know. So we had two point guards. We had Sam Cassell and Gary Payton, and it was yeah. a glove. And then they're like, oh, Sam Cassell, well, he's the hand. The glove is just the worst fucking, you know, it's so I'm, they're going to fuck it up. Didn't play well. Yeah. No. And then they, they fucked it up by all their, their draft picks suck, you know? So it's, I I love sports, you know, I brewers, um, bucks and Packers, but it's, it's hard for me too, because it's like, I know a lot of Bears fans and they and Cubs fans and they talk the most shit and I, it doesn't make sense to me because they didn't do anything to help the team. I mean, I guess they cheered them on, but it's like yeah, that's you so can't like if you no, I was like if you want to go back to some of the words that I hate, I'll give you a couple of them. Number one, using the word golf as a verb. Like I understand Ooh. it's happened, but like I don't go golfing any more than I go baseballing or basketballing, you know, or footballing, right? I've never thought about that. Yep. You you play golf, you play baseball, you play basketball. Yeah. Um, and I understand golfer is kind of a weird one because then it gets fuzzy and everything. But I just, I hate like, like, oh, yeah, I went golfing. No, you went and played golf yeah. because I didn't go and I didn't just come back from baseball. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other one, and I and I really and I struggle with this one too, is like when talking about a team or, or an event, it's like they say, we, we did this. That was a great thing for us. I'm like, really? I didn't see you on the sideline. Yeah. I didn't see you on the field. And I get it. Like, that's part of the illusion of sports, is that everyone's, you know, part of the, you know, it's a it's a it's an extension of our tribal history. But like, my guy. You didn't like you didn't rush for a hundred yards today, so we yeah. didn't win. the The team won. We cheered them on, but you gotta maintain that that line of separation at times. My, Kyle, what's your thoughts on like rooting for a college that you didn't play for, or I mean that you didn't go to school? Like for me, like I guess I'm a Badger fan, but I, I didn't go to UW. Madison, you know, what's your sure. thoughts on that? Do you think that's, you know, look, I mean, I'm not, it's, it's never going to be something I'm going to get sweaty about. I mean, I went to a college that didn't have a football team. Um, 
you know, I think it, I, I think there's sort of a like, you know, are there schools that like, look, I'm always happy to see Arizona State win. I'm always happy to see Arizona win because look, anything that does good for the school, great. I'm yeah. certainly always happiest when I see my university win, but you know, we had we had basketball and soccer and baseball and I certainly cheer for them in those sports, but like we didn't have a football team, so you know, and I went to, I went to the University of San Francisco, which right after my freshman year, a school little tiny school up in Spokane, Washington called Gonzaga got really good. Mm. And so like our basketball team kind of I don't say it became irrelevant, but it was like we weren't playing on the same level as I mean, look, nobody in the West Coast Conference other than like St. Mary's here and there and you remember who I was uh in Santa Clara. Somebody else uh, somebody had a couple of good years. It was like there's you know, there's Gonzaga who's number one in the country and like twenty and oh right now. And to borrow the line from uh Moneyball, there's Gonzaga, there's fifty feet of crap. And then there's everyone else, you know, it's like, that's kind of how it works right now. But I do like, I mean, in the grand scheme, I don't care, man. Like if you, yeah. if you, if you identify with Wisconsin or Miami or Washington or ASU, like I don't have any ASU, you know, apparel or anything. Like I watch the game and I go, Oh, Hey, look, ASU's playing Utah or whatever. Cool. Good job. ASU. Nice win tonight. Go team. Go team. Yay. Football. Uh, what's your now now we're going off the deep end here what's your favorite uh baseball movie or or top three baseball movies because i think those are i don't think there's a lot of good football movies or any other sport movies but i think fucking baseball has nailed the the movie genre for me it's field of dreams i so i'll 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 answer the question but i will say like you i'll go one more on you go i I don't know if they still are around but like go to your local bookseller and go to the sports section. And like the baseball section is six shelves deep. Yeah. The golf section is like two shelves deep. And then every other sport basically takes up a shelf collectively. Uh, I would say I am probably a bull Durham. Number one. That's a great movie. Yeah. Field of dreams is probably two league of their own is up there. Uh, major league would probably be in the three. Major League One is probably in the second tier. I was never a fan of the natural. I was never a big fan of Sandlot. I was never a big fan of Eight Men Out. Although I think Eight Men Out's good. Nah, never, never named it in the outfield. You're done. Never a little big league or. Uh, I mean, I think little big league was interesting because of all the all the talent, you know, the players they had in it. Uh, Space Jam. Best basketball movie. <laughs> um, are, you, are we are we being serious here? Because... No, I'm joking. Uh, okay. I I haven't seen. I tried to watch The Natural. It's just it's it's too it's too weird and it's uh it's too old of a movie. It, but um, uh, Moneyball I think was a really good. Um, oh yeah, well, I've got, I got Moneyball movie, yeah. for sure. Yeah, I mean. it's What's funny is like there's some of these movies that are always on, you know, TBS or whatever. And it's like, how many times have I seen, you know, like I always joke, like I've seen Moneyball, you know, 30.84 times because I've seen, you know, like I've, ne- I've only seen it start to finish once, but I've seen it in some fragmented form probably 85 times. It's like Shawshank. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, I like Moneyball. I think 
not to again go really off deep, I think there's some flaws to it, but I think they did a pretty good job translating the book to the movie. Well, the Even whole I thing think the book was kind of flawed, but yeah, because they never Moneyball's an economics book, an economics yeah. movie more than a baseball book or movie. Then you get a little different appreciation for it because they never mentioned that they had three of the best starting pitchers in the right. league: Mark Mulder, Barry Zito, and Tim Hudson. Tim Hudson. See, Dom, you know, if you if you guys can see my book collection here, I have um, my favorite author is a I'm a big Bill Simmons fan. Oh yeah. Um, so I listen to his. Well, not so much. I listen to more cigar podcasts now than I do um, some of the uh, the Ringer stuff. But I was a big fan of the of Grantland. Um, Zach Lowe did a great basketball pod. He used to be a teacher, and now he's a big time writer for ESPN, and he has his own podcast. But I'm trying to collect all the Grantland quarterlies, which they're fucking outrageously priced. I have six different ones. There's only like fifteen of them. But um, I have a, a lot of uh, baseball books. I got a lot of ESPN books. Um, um, uh, I got like the Jalen Rose biography, Leroy Butler. Um, yeah, so I mean, I'm a big sports guy, but it's just cigars have taken um, number one spot, you know. Sure. And it's like, because like, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I worked um, for an airline so I have, there's a lot of downtime. So that's when I'm, you know, I'm reading Half Wheel. I'm listening to podcasts and, um, uh, you know, I should start, what I need to do is learn Spanish. I mean, that'd be fucking worth doing, but um, I don't know. It's just, it's weird how, as you get older, not only does your, your interest change, but also kind of like bring this back in the cigars, like your palate, you know, like I used to be big time, heavy, full body guy. And now I can appreciate a Connecticut, you know, kind of bring oh, it. Yeah, back. no, absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, like I've always said there, you don't have to like every cigar that's out there, but I think that if you can appreciate where the good ones are, that makes it a lot more interesting to, to sort of sample the, you know, sample what's out in your local humidor or, or just what's, you know, what's generally available to you and, and understand that, you know, not every cigar has to fit every moment. You know, yeah. People talk about the morning cigar, the evening cigar, the middle of the day cigar. And, you know, like there's sometimes I just want to, you know, like when I'm hanging out with my buddies, I'm not smoking something that I really want to pay attention to. I just want something that's good and that's not going to distract me from, from them. All right, so this is the last question for you, Patrick. Uh, we, All right. I really appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, we have to get you on uh, again because we just barely scraped. I mean, I was – I had – every time you, you talk, I had five more questions. So we'll have to definitely get you on, but you're going to be busy Tyler, with uh, – Tyler likes to talk. Yeah, well, I like to listen it, too. Yeah. Write them down and we'll do a rapid fire. Yeah. Um, so what did you what did you expect – from uh from uh, first of all a podcast called Cigar Noise Boys and looking kind of like at our you know my Instagram handle be so horny and kind of like what did you expect you know was <laughs> wow. it was it so I will say this the only the only show I listened to was the um was the one you did with Danny Vasquez and he was it was it was the most recent one um uh, prior to you guys asking if I wanted to if I was available to come on the show and the only, and I, you know, I, I really have no idea. I mean, the, um, you know, the, the podcast YouTube universe is so vast at the moment 
that you know it's 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 sort of hard to kind of get a a feel for it i think the one thing i was intrigued by and i was talking with dom about this was or both of you guys actually was the um like there seemed like there were a lot of people on the show with Danny Vasquez. And I was like, I had a really tough time, like keeping track of who all was doing what. And then uh, not to, not to pick on anybody, but there's this weird segment where it's like, Hey, Tron's here. And he's going to talk about like people keeping dead bodies in their houses, you know, for like years. And I was like, and I'm, and I'm, I'm not kidding. I was driving around, I was running errands and I had the show on the car and I'm at a stoplight and like here comes this like this segment about like some culture in Indonesia that keeps dead bodies in their houses. And I swear to God, I was like, I swore I saw like a rabid cow running across the intersection and jumping on my hood and then like running off. I was like, what in the hell was that? Um, so I, like I really had, I was expecting a lot more people. Um, but no, I mean, like, I think, you know, the, the, the thing is that, we can all bring our own unique perspective to cigars to the conversation. And that's, what's interesting. And that's, what's fun about it. And I think that's why half ago had a, it created a place. The thing that I struggle with on that is if you want to do that, that's great. Make sure that what you're doing has sort of purpose structure, a little bit of polish, because you don't want what you have to offer to get lost in the other stuff. Yeah. You know, and, and it's, it's really tough to keep people's attention. And I think that's the only thing that I always, I always say to people is like, look, half of it was not perfect. When we started, we are still not perfect. We have a long ways to go. Uh, and if you want to be the one, but look, when we also started, there was like 50 or 60 blogs that were online. And I can't tell you how many of those people are no longer around. And whether that's financial, whether that's interest, whether that's just life changes. But I can tell you, like, you know, when we started Half Wheel, the whole thing, in addition to the, we want to be the site we want to read, was this is Charlie and Brooks's full-time jobs. Like running Half Wheel, running Rory to Media is their full-time job. It's about a third of my full-time job. And that varies day to day. So we knew that if we wanted to do this, we had to put something out that was going to allow us to generate the income for it to be a full-time job. So I think that's sort of where I, where I go back to people and say, you know, if you want to just make this a fun little here and there or whatever, yeah. cool. If you want to, if you really want to become like if there's 50 YouTube or podcast cigar shows right now, and you want to be the one that actually is still around in three years, you know, let, let's have that critical conversation because I think there's room for it, you know? Uh, yeah. Cause we kind of, um, we go back and forth kind of with the, um, with different kinds of episodes, you know, it's, it's more like, I think, I think you would really like the one we just did with Nick Melillo. It just got posted today or last night. Um, okay. If you if you find some time, we had Nick and Nate on, and then uh, we did the segment with Tron. We didn't do the segment tonight, obviously, but because um, I, I I knew there was going to be a lot I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, but with Tron, we try to do that every every other episode, depending on the guest, kind of too. Sure. Um, but you know, we just try to try to you know 
kind of make people laugh, but also kind of nerd out a little bit on some stuff. So we were able to do that with Nick. We were able to nerd out and, and have a, a couple laughs here and there. So nice. Um, I'm going to download yeah. that right now. So, yeah, no, I really appreciate it, Patrick. And I would love to have you on again. I know it's going to be, hopefully, uh, you know, you're, you're a busy man. Um, so hopefully we can get you on sooner rather than later. After, but... after spring training. That's all I can tell you right now. <laughs> Perfect. Um, yeah, thanks again, Matt. I really appreciate it. And uh, um, I'm actually surprised you said yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and I'm glad that uh, there was a little bit of structure um, with Dom was doing the emailing and stuff. So I, I appreciate that aspect too, because I do want to take this a little more serious because we do have a lot of fun. We do joke around a lot. But um, uh, for me, it's I just want to learn as much as I can about um, – about cigars and that's kind of why uh we talked about moving earlier i'm uh, i i put in a transfer with southwest who i work for to move to austin so i could okay. uh, kind of work a little bit with roma craft in their in their fact and on their um warehouse there so, and just so i could be a sponge and just learn everything from mike skip john and sean and jamie and all them so nice. um and that's what i use this for too is just i can there's so much i can learn about stuff and i learned a lot tonight too so thank you again i appreciate it Hey, you know, that's, that's one of the big things that we take, we try and pride ourselves on is that, you know, there's so much to learn about cigars and tobacco and agriculture and how they're made and how they're marketed and what goes into making it work and the challenges that retailers face and reps face and, you know, and just trying to bring some sort of level of understanding to, to the whole thing. Um, you know, I always say if there's, I'm always flattered that people read the site. If there's one thing that people say to me that's, like I, I get a better understanding of, of this wonderful thing called a cigar from reading the site. And particularly, the, I think when you really dive into it and you go, wow, and I can get this wonderful thing called a premium hand-rolled cigar for like eight bucks or whatever it is. like Or 500. We, yeah, I mean, you know, there's, there's the whole range. I mean, you can do everything under the sun. Uh, but, you know, to think about that saying that, you know, 300 hands – or 300 sets of hands touch your cigar before it gets to you. And it's still only eight bucks or 10 yeah. bucks, whatever it is. That to me is amazing. And, you know, I, there's certainly things like wine and spirits and beer and architecture and things that I'm interested in. Like I have no clue how you build a building, you know, I mean, I have no clue how you design it and build it and make it stand. And, you know, I, I have a building going up uh, across the street from where I live right now. And there's times I'll just go outside and I'll just like, I will just stare at these guys pouring concrete or, you know, watch the, the crane lift stuff up and how they weld stuff and how they, I mean, just all that stuff. Like that to me is so fascinating because I have no, no understanding of how it works. Uh, so if I can try and be that explainer for somebody about cigars and baseball or whatever it may be, I'm more than happy to do it. And, and it brings a lot of, a lot of pride and a lot of smiles to my face. So thank you guys. Awesome. And yeah, I really appreciate it. I'm glad nothing went, went wrong and I'm glad we were here early and got everything. We've had, it's just, I was nervous about this one. So don't yeah. jinx it. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Oh, great. Did I? All right. The final credits have a roll. Don't jinx it. Yet. Yeah. Come on, Dom, <laughs> Dom's sweating over there. I can see him. He's got to do the editing. Still got to download. <laughs> All right, Patrick, thank you so much again. And, uh, we'll be in touch and, uh, I'll keep uh, checking your site 10 times a day. <laughs> cool. My pleasure, guys. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast. Yeah, Thank man. You. Rock and roll.
Keep those cigars on ice. Yeah!